0: Welcome to episode four of Life in the Time of Corona, a podcast exploring the many ways to stay healthy and sane in these strange times. I'm Dr. Saul Rosenthal, a developmental and clinical health psychologist. Many of the clients I work with are married or in committed relationships. Since the start of the pandemic, I've been hearing about changes in the relationships. Some talk about feeling more easily irritated by their partners, others talk about feeling closer. It led me to wonder about the relationship effects of sheltering in place, concern about the coronavirus, suddenly living with children who aren't in school, and worrying about a spouse who might be working as a medical provider, a grocery clerk, or in some other job that requires daily contact with lots of people. Today, we're joined by a couple who can help us figure it all out. Dr. David Helfand is a relationship and relaxation psychologist, certified yoga instructor, neurofeedback practitioner, and neuromeditation instructor. He started his practice lifewise to work with individuals, couples, and families experiencing negative effects of chronic stress. He runs couples retreats and focuses on holistically improving the health of each person and their relationship. His wife and partner is Anna Healthend. Anna has a master's degree in counseling from Boston College and is a licensed mental health counselor. She worked for several years in an outreach mental health program north of Boston and now at the Triumph Center with children, adolescents, and families. She specializes in the parent-child interaction and parenting support. Welcome to both of you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Saul. It's great to be here.
0: So one of the questions I'm asking everyone who comes on here is what what are some of the biggest changes that you're going through both in your work and, and in your life?
1: That's quite a apropos question for these times, isn't it? So, I mean, of course, being an entrepreneur, there's a difference now in the business side and trying to restructure how I serve the families that I work with, the couples, the individuals. But then, you know, more immediately for the family life, my, you know, daughter, we have a four year old daughter, and she's not used to having me work from home. And so trying to come up with systems that she understands that well, daddy's in the basement now, and it's kind of like he's at the office has probably been one of the biggest challenges.
2: Yeah, and I would say too, for me, this whole Transition has fallen towards the end of my pregnancy, as we're expecting another child soon. And so as I was trying to wrap up with my work and transition into this new role, um, it just had an added layer of complexity and um, just a lot of different variables got suddenly thrown in.
0: And what are you hearing from your clients about some of the biggest challenges that they're facing?
1: Well, I think that they're going through a lot of what we're going through as well. I mean, some families are fortunate that they can work from home, but it's creating a whole new system and paradigm, and it's creating new stressors in many ways about how they structure the home and work life and where the two of those fields clash now in many ways, and also the, the many hats we have to wear. I mean, to some extent, every parent is becoming an entrepreneur, right? They're having to become an educator. They're having to navigate, you know, child care. They're having to navigate cooking and grocery stores. They're also having to get, at the very least, an associate's and medical pandemic relief (laughs) so that they can be conscious of what's going on in the world and how they protect their families many of the families that i'm speaking with as well that are conscious about someone's health and risk factors in the home such as you know my wife who is we're waiting for the arrival of our child in a week or two which as anyone that has kids know could be tomorrow (laughs) could be during this podcast as a matter of fact and so you know we're having to take a lot more precautions than in some ways whereas you know, we have a neighbor who is in good health. And, you know, he's a little bit more kind of fly by the seat of his pants at this time. So the roles that families are having to take on, I think, is so nuanced and independent, that it can cause a lot more stress for people.
2: And I've heard about, you know, with my family, it often depends on the age range they have with the children, where, you know, they're finding that, Maybe prior to this, they weren't spending 24-7 with their young child or their school-age child. And so they're kind of finding out more about their kids and their personalities and, you know, what pushes one button or what, you know, what works. So I think they've been having to almost reorganize their perception of their children week by week as they help them through this and become their social network and their support system, like you said but also navigating a lot of worry for these kids. I think they are wearing many hats and they need a lot of grace to understand that this doesn't come overnight.
0: So adults and their children are finding themselves taking on multiple roles. Focusing more on the couple's relationship, what are some of the common reactions that a couple might find themselves going through?
1: You know, it's interesting in talking with colleagues and the couples that I work with, there's a a somewhat serious joke that in about a year from now, there are going to be a lot of babies and a lot of divorces. And so one of the things that I'm noticing is that everything in the relationship is amplified right now because there's no respite. So if, if now that the couple is forced in many ways to be with each other at a much more frequent rate, and uh, more time together, then that that can cause some conflict, or if they have a pretty steady, stable relationship, it actually brings them closer together. You know, my wife and I, hopefully she'll agree with me (laughs) that we have a a very good relationship. And we were talking last night about how we actually feel very close to each other through all of this, because now I get to go upstairs and have lunch with the family, and on my lunch break, I get to run around with my daughter outside. We built a snowman (laughs) recently when we had that snowstorm. But I'm hearing from a lot of couples that it's actually amplifying some of the struggle and the issues in communication they have. And in some ways, it's creating and highlighting the need for them to work on these things if they're aware and have the ability to reach out for support.
0: And Anna, I'm wondering, how does that amplification play out when there are kids involved as well? So in the families that you're working with, what are you hearing?
2: Well, I think they're having to do a lot of prioritization and balancing of their schedules, and you know, suddenly having to decide well who gets to work when and who takes on childcare roles. These days, parents can't just bring someone in the home; they can't send the child anywhere. So, I think with children, it's finding a balance with their schedules. You know, who does an afternoon shift? Who does an evening shift? Um, who has to completely take time off or just stop because sometimes i think the stress of having to balance this is becomes too much. The other t- thing with children is people need to prioritize time to be alone and to have that mental space to recharge and validate that there're things they want to continue doing that they were doing before this whole pandemic began. And i think as these new roles develop to help the kids understand that and You know, they're seeing these parents navigate these things and they're not very hidden these days. So I think as the parents work through their stressors, it's been pretty clear that the kids can pick up on it and that they can either have the kids witness it or they can have the kids understand how to work through these things and model it.
0: I was recently working with a client of mine. He and his wife have three small children. He's still working full time, but from home. And his wife is the primary caretaker but their children are pretty challenging. They're very active with attention and hyperactivity issues. They have some behavioral management struggles, normal developmental demands, and and all of that on top of everybody's cooped up together for the last several weeks. School really helped the kids regulate themselves, but it's much less effective with the little amount of online time they have. The the situation's pretty common now for couples and their families. What, What sort of advice would you have for that couple?
1: Yeah, it's actually quite a common example in these days. So, I mean, there's a couple of things that strike me in the example that you gave, you know, first of all, as Anna was saying, negotiating the roles and managing the expectations in the family and the schedule becomes really important at this time. So one thing I'm noticing is a lot of families are just sort of improvising. And it can be very helpful to have a plan and a format in place, not only for the couple and their kind of emotional needs, but also so that the child knows what to expect. So, for example, if the parents can agree that, you know, this this time is family time and then during these other times, maybe you or I are responsible for the child care. Because one thing that is becoming really helpful these days, I believe Anna would agree with me, is making sure everyone has their alone time and their quiet downtime, whether that's the adults or the kids. You know, I had a family session the other day, and I asked all the kids, actually, actually, I asked everyone in the family, what would you like to see more of right now? And everyone said, me time, (laughs) because everyone's, you know, just on top of each other these days. And then, of course, I mean, we could spend the whole podcast talking about communication styles of how you get that need met and and what you're looking for and how to communicate that. I would say just as a real quick takeaway, making sure that you're asking for what you want and you're soliciting that same response in the children, if you're the adult, is really important. So, for example, there's a very different feel between these two communications saying that, I really want some time to myself to recharge and hearing that from a a parent or a spouse is very different than you need to leave me alone because I'm about to explode.
2: (laughs) And I kind of want to, I want to validate the fact that, I mean, what you pointed out, a family with young children, I think these families are really struggling right now because what should be a safety network of family, friends, um, being able to, have a parent take a child out and let the other parent rest, just getting basic kind of physical needs met of rest and recharging just kind of has gone away. And so even that communication of this is what I need to stay sane and healthy. And how can I either get that met or how do I sort of outsource it? Whether it's, I know for me personally, you know, being able to connect with my friends now, a, a lot of FaceTime. During these last week of pregnancy, I thought I'd be hanging out with people. I thought I'd have a social network to see my family. And it it has been hard. So I think the parents with new arrivals have been hit very hard with that. And so this family is probably feeling it a lot.
0: I think that's, that's absolutely true. And, and one of the interesting things I'm noticing in our conversation is we've kind of focused on the parenting role, and I suspect many couples are finding that that's true as well, while neglecting the couple roles, so to speak. So I'm wondering what you, what you have to say about that, and how how do couples balance that parent role, assuming they have kids in the first place, with the role of maintaining their own partnership, their own intimacy?
2: I mean, I think for me, we were talking about this earlier that, you know, there are definitely like ways of having intimacy that have strengthened and there's sort of newfound ways of intimacy. I was telling him the other day that, you know, being the three of us having these close moments together and for me to sometimes witness the conversations that our daughter has with him now, that to me is, it's not only heartwarming, but it feels very close to me and, just makes me feel more connected to him as well. Well, one thing we've kept up is just having moments during the day and plenty of them to reconnect with each other, whether it's, you know, a nice hug and kiss as he goes down to the office to work, or perhaps it's us checking in with each other, you know, Hey, do you need a cup of tea? Do you, do you need 10, 15 minutes to like sit while I, you know, hang out with our daughter? but just really noticing um, like intuitively too, what does the other person need? And just kind of carrying out that five minutes of kindness or compassion. I think it's brought us very close.
1: I agree. And just to add to that, I think it's important for people to remember that no one can read someone else's mind. And so if you have something that you're looking for, to ask for that is really helpful. In the first couple of weeks of this whole pandemic, Anna came to me and said that she was feeling very overwhelmed and that she wanted more time to, to socialize with friends because that she wasn't getting that. And I was so wrapped up with my, you know, business and trying to meet the needs of my clients that I had neglected to even think of that as something that I could offer to her. And so her saying, this is something that's really important to me, allowed me to, to make some time in my schedule and to start offering that. And, you know, in my mind, I, That was that was her needs were not on my mind, to be honest, because I was so focused on, okay I need to provide financially for my family and I need to meet the needs of all these other clients that I'm working with because they were really struggling. And so to refocus the attention on her and the family was a real eye opener. And I would say that hopefully I feel like I've done that (laughs) since you've asked.
2: (laughs) No, definitely. I think I came to him and I said, you know, I'm just sad. Like I was just sad that this is how life was kind of turning out at this point in our relationship. And I think communicating that allowed me to just let go of that weight. And I would say too, I think with couples, being able to validate how much each person feels a loss of something. So for someone, it might be the loss of, oh my goodness, my business was just on such an upswing. And then I've been told to shut it down and completely revamp and almost restart. Right. Right. And I know for him, for David, that was, it was a lot. It was um, definitely on his mind 24 <laughs> seven, but being able to support him through that and being understanding and kind about it and being able to learn about all the nuts and bolts that go into running this business. I think for me, it's been a journey of being more aware and like really grateful for what he does, being able to witness it like in our home. <laughs> But I think couples just have to understand that there's a loss at every turn for someone, depending on what it might be, and to be flexible and kind with each other about it.
1: And if I can add one more item to that list is, I noticed that I'm talking with a lot of couples about love languages, and if they have not looked up love languages or know what those are, there are so many resources online, so many books written about it. It's a a fantastic body of literature. The basic idea is that there are generally five ways that we like to give or receive love and compassion from those around us, particularly from our spouse, but it goes further than that as well. And so, for example, for me, physical touch and acts of service are a love language that I hold dearly. So when the kitchen is clean, when I come up from my office, that to me feels like I'm being taken care of. And then I can cook dinner for my family because I'm generally the chef in the home. Getting a hug or a kiss or some physical affirmation is also really important to me. Whereas Anna, I believe has, she does like physical touch as well for her love language, but also words of affirmation mm-hmm. and quality time are really important to her. So once you ha- once you kind of understand the love language of yourself and your partner, it allows you to then speak that language. So one thing I tell clients all the time is if, someone's communication is French and yours is English, it's really important that you learn how your partner communicates so that you can validate and meet that need. Otherwise, it's gonna feel like you're alone in this.
0: It seems a lot of what you're saying is to be able to bring all of these skills, all of these ways of thinking about each other to bear in these very uncertain times, but to do it in a more planful way to really think through how we're going to maintain our connections, maintain our communications with each other. You'd mentioned improvising versus planning, and on the one hand, almost every day is a little different, so improvisation is necessary, but if if we sort of have a plan that we can, or a structure or a framework that we can put into place, that can help us kind of make it through those improvisational moments.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think to your point, the entire structure that people have built, whether it's a business or a home life or work life, or you had a vacation plan to go to Cancun or I mean, whatever it was, I mean, all of those plans have been completely turned upside down. And, you know, I've been speaking with a lot of families who have talked about how this is kind of a grieving process. The first couple weeks of the pandemic, they feel like they were just in denial, like, okay, we're going to get through this really soon. And then there was the anger and depression and the emotional phase of like the, the, almost like the tantruming that occurred, right. Where, you know, well, why, why should this be the case? And I'm you know, I can't believe that my business has been thrown off. I can't believe that my, the daycare shut down, you know, those sorts of things. But now people are starting to get into that negotiating and acceptance phase where now we're actually being planful and working through things. And I imagine this is a pivotal moment that in the next couple of weeks, if people can put a solid foundation down that at least has the semblance of structure that's could be successful for themselves and their family and, and building in self-care again is so important that if you can, I mean, one thing that Anna had asked for recently was that she want there was this, what was it? A prenatal yoga class mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings that you said, listen, if I could at least make it to that, if you could be with our daughter and keep her away from, this room where she secluded herself like that would be so big for you right so again if there's that that if you can find a structure to get back to and and recreate what's important to you in your life and the family life then that's so important right now and i think we're starting to fall into that phase now at this point of the pandemic
0: so it's an opportunity to reach what anna called these newfound ways of intimacy
1: absolutely
2: right I mean, I've seen lots of families use this as an opportunity to kind of reinvent certain things about the family. You know, I've always encouraged these families as we've started having, as we were having the telehealth sessions, is communicate with each other as a family. What's going to be important for you guys? Is it going to be that now everyone gets to plan a family meal, which I think we've talked about before is kind of a vital time to connect and recharge together? But being open with each other and your children that this is different, this is kind of life-changing, but here's the things we are doing to gain some control in our own lives. And here's things that we will feel resilient about. And here's things we are completely allowed to also worry about. But allowing the families to, in an age-appropriate way, to have conversations with each other and reinvent certain things that maybe they've wanted to reinvent. And some things they're having to reinvent but it does allow for some of that flexibility to occur but in the later weeks i don't think that flexibility could have happened in that first week or even the second or maybe the third but now it's almost like okay we got some things under our belt what can we now build on as we go forward
0: so again sort of planfully building on things to perhaps end up at an even better place in our relationships than we started. Right. As we're starting to wrap up now, I'd like to ask each of you a few one thing questions, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with you, Anna. What is one thing that people should take away from our discussion?
2: I think they should take away that there needs to be both a softening during this time within themselves and their family units to allow for these changes to be processed and also a readiness to then build on that. So allowing themselves to have this duality of, yes, I am a changed person, but I am going to come out with a different foundation here.
0: How about you, David? What's one thing that people should take away from our discussion?
1: So I think there are many moments in life that people see as pivotal. And oftentimes we hear about how life changes in an instant, and it's often used in a negative way. I think this is an opportunity for people to have their life change in a very positive way, as long as they integrate and assimilate the new skills or new opportunities they have. So Anna mentioned, for example, that families are home now, and this is a chance to have mealtimes. So I would say that if couples can think about what strong values and what opportunities and ways they want to feel are really important to them, and then start making a plan to achieve one or two of those. So if it's that they've never felt connected to their spouse, well, this is a great opportunity to plan some events together. So whether they do that themselves or whether they reach out to a professional for support, this is really an opportunity to turn things around and fix some things or at the very least improve relationships in the home.
0: David, what's one thing you're doing to take care of yourself?
1: Yeah, there's a good question. (laughs) So again, I would say I'm probably doing what most people have done, which is the first week I was kind of in denial, (laughs) maybe two weeks, probably. (laughs) Um, Third week, I was trying to figure out, okay, how the heck do I make time for all the things that I used to do? So, I mean, one thing that I think I'm doing, which is perhaps a little bit more existential, is I'm trying to be realistic with my goals. I think that I had an expectation of my productivity. I had an expectation of my performance, both as a a parent, a partner, and an entrepreneur that was pre-pandemic. And I've had to adjust those goals and expectations and my idea of what success is day to day. So one of the things that I do is I make sure that on my to-do list is time with my daughter each day. And that could sound a little hokey as a a self-care sort of activity, but it really is true that spending time with her is something I've never had time for in some ways because I've been working such long hours trying to build a business. But now that everything is at a standstill, I find that spending time outdoors with her is actually quite fulfilling and fun, let alone the fact that it, I think it helps with the the child care from Anna's perspective.
0: And how about you, Anna? What's one thing you're doing to take care of yourself?
2: So I've realized for me, it's been pretty much a necessity of making sure I have solitude at various parts of the day. Just me as a person, I know I need that. Um, I am definitely more introverted in my personality, but I realized quickly that having, you know, a vibrant exuberant child at home i was kind of having sensory overload by certain parts of the day and even when she didn't physically need me there's always motion and sound and um your name being called every 10 seconds so one thing that's really helped me is when i wake up in the morning and if the house is everyone else is still sleeping i just get up i go read i have my first breakfast (laughs) but really being more disciplined that this is my time. And if I start my day in a way that just feels like a breath of fresh air to me, then I am a much more relaxed, I think productive. And I just feel like me for the rest of the day. And then at the end of the day, also just being able to say, I'm going to go close the door. And once again, I'm going to read, zone out, do something. Yeah, for me, it's definitely been that, Recharge of solitude.
0: Finally, Anna, what is one thing that you think has changed forever?
2: Oh, (laughs) I think it's a shift in the different ways we can do things. I think before it was like, well, this is our trajectory and, you know, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But now I think there's a little more, I feel like there's a little more wiggle room, like, oh, we can make like certain work schedules work or different ways of working work and still have the family time that we're looking for. Um, I think for me personally, like having this pregnancy has really nuanced this just because I think that'll always be part of this story when we look back on it. I think we'll always remember how we were able to get through it. And I think for me to see just how hard David work to get through it and like the things we've worked on together to get through it. So to me, I think it's just like, oh, we can take that going forward.
0: How about you, David? You don't have to give the same answer as Anna did. so.
1: (laughs) So for me, I think what's changed is developmental trajectory for all of the people in the home. And I say developmental, not just with the kids in mind, but the parents, the relationship, the family system, you know, this experience is going to change the trajectory for many people, whether it's the career they want to go into, because maybe their career opportunities have changed. It's going to change relationships and dynamics in the family. And I think as we've kind of mentioned in a couple different ways, it's an opportunity to really. I want to be careful of the word capitalize because it's not just in an economic sense, but really emotionally capitalize and developmentally capitalize on opportunities that would have otherwise gone un unrealized, for example, family planning and meals and opportunities such as that, but also the emotional development of, of kids in particular. So we recently bought a Mad Libs for our daughter and we're trying to teach her nouns and verbs and some of these things in uh, I suppose you could say sneaky ways. (laughs) And so I said, well, I want you to come up with a noun. What's a, what's your favorite place, you know, that you can think of. And she said at home with my mommy and daddy. And I remember thinking, wow, no one over 10 is probably going to answer in that way. But I think for a lot of parents, we think, well, our kids don't want to be here. They want to be in school. They want to be with their friends. They want to be at, you know, sports and all these kinds of things. And she couldn't be happier, to be honest. So so using having that sort of reframe for me was really eye-opening. Like, wow, she loves this.
2: <laughs> she does.
1: And that, I think, is going to change her development in some very profound ways that she gets to spend the next few months with mommy and daddy is, is huge for her.
0: So keeping our relationship strong through this pandemic can help us build even stronger connections with each other. Listener, thank you for joining me during Life in the Time of Corona. You can subscribe to this show at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate the show and leave comments. Find out more at my website, saulrosenthalphd.com, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Saul Rosenthal. That's D-R Saul Rosenthal. Dr. David Helfand is a relationship and relaxation psychologist, yoga instructor, neurofeedback clinician and neuromeditation instructor running a private practice called LifeWise. You can find him at LifeWiseMA.com. David, is there anything people should know about contacting you?
1: So first of all, because we are expecting our daughter, I might not get back to you as quickly over the next couple of weeks. But in general, if you look through the website, there's plenty of information about my services. I am offering telehealth and virtual services right now, and I look forward to getting back to working with people face-to-face as soon as all this clears up.
0: Thanks very much. And Anna Helfand is a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in parent child interaction and parenting support. Anna and David, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Saul, for the opportunity.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And thank you, listeners. I look forward to continuing the conversation on life in the time of Corona.